The Film Guide with Tim Stafford, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide, this time with brand new host, Tim Stafford. Hello, Tim. Hello. Thanks for having me, everybody. Well, they haven't all had you yet, have they? But 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 nonetheless, they're, they're undoubtedly they're pleased for you to be here. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's good to have you here. So we have uh, as part of the presenting team, we we have uh, Sam Rolf, who who is known affectionately as Space Doctor Sam because she is an actual doctor in space stuff. Very cool. You are an actual doctor in film stuff, aren't you? You could not be better qualified for this role. I'm a. I'm sort of officially a doctor of the MCU and the DCEU, which is the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the um, DC Extended Universe. Right. Because that's now people think you got that out of like a cornflakes box. <laughs> but but no, explain. You, you've got a proper PhD, haven't you? I from have a proper, got a PhD from a proper yeah. place. Yes, I have got a proper PhD, and I teach at university as well. Um, but I um, yeah, I did I did my um, I did my thesis in um, basically looking at you know superhero because my specialist areas superhero adaptations graphic novels comic books and i did did my phd in yeah the marvel cinematic universe okay. but so calling you the film doctor is that is allowed because that that works because yeah. you you are you are a doctor of films yeah. he's looking very pleased yeah. with himself yeah. now <laughs> <laughs> okay welcome aboard uh, tim thank, thank you very you. much for joining seriously us. thanks for letting me join your illustrious team they're all very cool and it's really cool to be part now, of it thank what, you. one of them really isn't and they know who they are <laughs> anyway Hello, Sam. Right. So let's uh, what we do here for the film guy, by the way, if this is the first time you listen, perhaps you're a friend of, of, of Tim's. Maybe you're one of his groupies, um, one of his staffies, I believe that they might be known. Um, <laughs> I've just made that up. But um, anyway, just to explain what's going to happen here, um, we will be looking at uh, Tim's choice of films on free to air TV for the forthcoming week. We will also be looking at um, a, a, a feature that is unique to Tim's time doing the film guide. So each week when we have somebody presenting the film guide, they have they bring their own feature along uh, and uh, for example Howard who's with us next week uh, he does a feature called Too Good to Be Forgotten he picks a classic film that you might not have heard of and talks about that we have the A to Z of cinema obsessions coming up uh, and uh, starting with weirdly enough the letter A we'll find out more about that later we'll also be looking at uh, new releases on the streaming services and a new one uh, coming to pay-per-view as well but we start off with a look at the cinema and there's loads of films that come out every week i think there's around about seven or eight films that have come out this coming week but the chances are most of them will not hit our local cinemas but these two most like well they are that we know that they are the, and the first one last night in soho Ooh, last night in soho um yeah directed by edgar wright the indie darling of well quite mainstream now actually but i always kind of think him think of him as sort of he'll always be that indie director for me he'll always be you know creator of space co-creator of space for me i was gonna say i associate him with mm. um simon Pegg and nick frost that he directed their movies that they did together absolutely and that's why i never that's why it's a compliment for me to always think of him as this is a small indie director because he's never gone away from those roots he's never been ashamed and you know even though oh, it was the marvel film that never was you know he was so close to doing ant-man and he and then it it, it all sort of fell apart halfway through production and he was taken off and well, I don't know if he's taken off or he left or, but um, some sort of creative differences absolutely yeah and so and Peyton Reed took over but um, you know he Edgar Wright and I, I love Ant-Man so I'm not saying it was I love okay. it but like and recently he did the Sparks Brothers documentary that um, that was talked about by Howard a couple of months ago that mm. was around um, in the cinemas for, um, for a very little while uh, and, and people would know Edgar Wright from uh, Shaun of the Dead as sort of we alluded to Baby Driver which I think is such a cool film as well but he's back with Last Night in Soho 
Mm, yeah, um, about um, with Thomas and Mackenzie, uh, woman of the moment, Anya Taylor Joy, um, Matt Smith, oh, the brilliant Matt Smith, Terence Stamp, great cast. Um, and I mean, when I say kind of we don't know much about it, that's utterly to its strength and to its credit because the trailer is. I remember when trailer came on, everyone was watching it, and all the comments under Twitter were like. Oh, that's a proper trailer, as in doesn't show us every single second and you can work out the plot and the final fight and all the special effects. It's a proper confusing trailer. And that's sort of typical Edgar Wright, that kind of the mystique is kind of kept to the last. But you have to go and see it. But that's also really good about because so often these days you must see this yourself that trailers just give away too much. And, and if it's a film you really want to see these days, I don't want to see the trailer because I think, well, I'll know who died. I'll know who made it to later because I think I saw a scene in the trailer that, that clearly is later in the movie. And yeah, have you got have you got to that point where you do actively avoid trailers now? Yeah, pretty much. Really? I used to be the opposite. When I was younger, I used to love trailers. Sometimes I didn't. That was the best part going to the cinema was what was coming up, especially when it was a trailer. And they used, do you remember the little signs when they used to say like, a, a PG trailer for an 18 film and you think yeah bring it on <laughs> yeah all the good bits taken out though, yeah, obviously yeah. all the fun bits but yeah yeah, I know what you mean and the, the last night um, I thought I said the last trailer in so <laughs> the last night in Soho trailer is really baffling and it's really kind of so you know I, I fully admit kind of quite a lot of ignorance about this film and, and mm. that's good I think it's going to be one of those films like the less you know about the better it look it, it's kind of a horror a kind well, of what can you say what is the synopsis then break it down so um eloise um and she's a, a girl who's like a fashion designer and and it's kind of she has this sort of kind of strange supernatural kind of ability by the look of it um and she goes she sort of is tr- some kind of time slip or time fracture and she's sort of put into the body of a 1960s um london nightclub singer um called sandy um and then there's sort of a relationship going on there i assume that's with the matt smith character i'm thinking um but then i think it all gets a bit dark okay uh, but that's last night in soho and that comes out on friday and next up is antlers oh scary <laughs> trailer's really scary for it like I don't know if I'll be going to see it. It looks really scary. I love horror. Having said this, I love horror. Oh, okay. Well, then that's a, that's a weird reaction. I, was, I thought you was about to say, oh, no, it's a genre you won't get you anywhere no, near. I love it. But, like, it has to be, like, there are some horrors that are just too scary, which I love that because, you know, some horror fans are just like, nothing scares me. And I'm like, why do you watch horror then? You know, like, I love horror, but I love getting into them and getting terrified by them. Right. So. <laughs> okay. So, uh, what's Antlers about? Well, it's um, a. It follows a school teacher and her police officer brother in a small Oregon town, where they become convinced one of her students is da, 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 harboring a supernatural creature. <laughs> it's got Kerry Russell in it. Love Kerry Russell. Last seen in well, in the Americans as well, isn't she? But Star Wars, she was last seen in Star Wars. Okay. Um, Jesse Plemons. Jeremy now he's Thomas. he's Ginger Matt Damon, isn't he? Yes, now you say it. Yes, I he saw is. him first in Breaking Bad, and I really thought it was Matt Damon. Ah, can I just say Matt Damon at that point? Sorry, <laughs> I have to say that every time, every time he's mentioned. Okay, yeah. that that's Team America. Is that? Yes, a, it is. Okay, yeah, sorry. No, um, and Graham Greene as well, brilliant actor. Yeah. So, um, and it's based on. Um, it's actually based on a short story and uh, by Nick Antosca and Nick Antosca, which I think bodes well, has worked co-written the screenplay 
So I always think that's good. I don't know what you think, but I think that's good if the author has a hand in the screen. Sometimes it doesn't always guarantee it because they're too close to the material. Sometimes it's nice for someone to come in from outside and do it. But I think that's good, like if the you okay. know the, the author's involved. This will sound very pretentious, Go and on. I don't care. But um, some of my friends who have written books, who have mm. sold the books on to be made into cool. other adaptations, I've asked this question. Okay. And, and I've been told more than once that they would much rather hand it over to someone else. Not, not just because they're a bit, you know, it's their baby, they don't really want to mess it up, but also because their expertise was writing a book, not writing a screenplay. And they are different mediums. Having said that, there are plenty of exceptions to that rule and people who have the skill to adapt their own work. Recently, uh, Michael Connolly was very heavily involved with the Bosch TV series and it is incredibly faithful to the books and incredibly popular. Um, And so clearly his close involvement has helped that. Um, So so maybe that's the case in this instance. And I should add, you're right, I'm not saying that any... Uh, think any work that is adapted that isn't by the original author is not good I mean like you said sometimes that distance really helps because you know I'm a comic book fan and so um, faithfulness doesn't have to come into it to me what makes a good film does not make a good book and vice versa and, and also isn't it like um, isn't that a thing about Stephen King it, I, I'm sure I've heard mm. it said I don't know if this is fair but but the further he is away from his own work the better the film turns out yeah, he's because, a great writer. Yeah, because he's directed one or two of his movies right. that have been bombs. Right. Uh, whereas he hated The Shining, considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, and I remember Roald Dahl hating The Witches, like adaptation, the first version, and saying, I remember him saying, I'd never take a child to see that. It's horrific and stuff. But it really captures the spirit of the book really faithfully. But anyway, sorry, Antlers. Um, so it's based on a short story called The Quiet Boy. And I've read that short story. It's okay. available online. And it's quite gruesome. Nick Antosca is the author that's of that. Right, that's okay. right. So that's Antlers, which again is out now. Uh, when we return, we'll be looking at uh, the new releases on the old streaming services. Don't go anywhere. Or if you do, take us with you. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast. A weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Time now to take a look at the streaming services uh, and, and their new releases. And uh, we've got one on Netflix and then we've got a pay-per-view as well. We will come to that in a moment. First of all, Tim, let's do the Netflix one. The Harder They Fall. <gasps> so excited about this. Genuinely so excited about this. A Western directed by James Samuel, who's also known, his musical name is, is, is AKA is The Bullets. Um, which named after the Steve McQueen film, of course. Um, and he co-wrote the screenplay with Boaz Yakin. Um, and listen to this cast, Danny. Listen to Just one of these people would be amazing in a film. But, oh my God, I'm so excited for, for this reason. Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, Edie Kathigi, and on and on. An absolutely stellar lineup of African-American actors and British black actors. Um, absolutely better. So, so we, I think all the stars are aligned for this, literally and figuratively, for this, um, 
this kind of revisionist Western, you know, where, you know, a, a genre that has kind of really treated neglectfully, I think, you know, uh, African-American characters and black actors really historically, you know. And so we, I think we lined up something, a really interesting kind of fresh perspective on the Western here. I, I'm so excited about it. <laughs> Tim Stafford, may I ask you? Yes. Is this related to, because there was another film called The Harder They Fall from the 50s with Humphrey Bogart. Is this connected in any I way? I don't think it is. I think that, I think, look, I'm not an expert, but I think that's a, the poster was like a big boxing glove, wasn't it? It was. I, yeah, yeah. Wow. There you go. See, um, I've got I've got Tinternet in front of me, so I, I I sound knowledgeable, but I'm just quick with my fingers, so to speak. I've got it in my but, head. But you've the got nothing in front of you there. I've um, got the internet in my head. Wow. Um, I've got a visual memory, <laughs> which helps with film. Um, but yeah, I think that was a. Am I right? As a boxing drama? It says here, an ex-sports writer is hired by a shady Ooh. fight promoter to promote his latest find, an unknown but easily exploitable rising star from Argentina. Yeah, and it was Humphrey Bogart and Rod Steiger. Sounds boring. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> just because it's old. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, some of us love film noir. Just saying. Good for you. The other thought I had in my head when I heard it was called The Harder They Fall was I, th- I was thinking of the Jimmy Cliff song, uh-huh. which was not called The Harder They Fall. It was called The Harder They Come. The right. next line in the song was, it was The Harder They Come, The Harder They Fall. It's, I mean, that might be. And he did a film in the 70s called The Harder They Come. Right. But, but no way connected at all. Right. I mean, I think the phrase stands, you know, not, I'm not being sarcastic anywhere. I think the phrase stands on its own, doesn't it, as well? Well, that phrase would predate the Jimmy Cliff song, isn't it? The harder Absolutely. they come, the harder they fall. Absolutely. It's a great Or the bigger they are, the harder they fall is another. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I, it's about um, a guy called Nat Love, and that's Jonathan Majors, who was, and, and literally the last few years has just been a joy to see Jonathan Majors' career just go from strength, this meteoric rise. I mean, there's no such thing as an overnight success, yeah. but he was first in the, do you see The Last Black Man in San Francisco? No. Oh my God, wonderful film. And, and then last scene, of course, Jonathan Majors coming onto my radar even further as going to be a major component in the Marvel Universe in the next phase. Okay. Yeah, he was in Loki, and um, he's going to be a, Without giving away too much, he's going to be a huge part of the next phase of the Marvel Universe. It's basically going to be the next Thanos, okay? So, um, and he basically reassembles his former gang in this film, The Harder They Fall, to seek revenge against typical Western, against the man who murdered his parents. And I think, I believe, that's Idris Elba playing the bad guy. I love Idris Elba as a bad guy. Okay. And uh, Jonathan Majors as well, uh, oh. you know, uh, related to Lee Majors, who was, you know, the four guy, the $6 million man. No. I cannot begin to tell you, dear listener, how disappointed Tim is at me right now. Is that, that no? You're pretty disappointed because he's not related to the full guy and I'm disappointed at you. So it's a, it's a cycle of, di- a vicious cycle of disappointment. Yeah. Um, honestly, see The Last Black Man in San Francisco though as well. Um, but I mean, seriously, I mean, Idris Elba, I think Hollywood, I think he's brilliant. Mm. There'd be no, no, no shock there. But I think Idris Elba sort of um, hasn't really been used as best he can by Hollywood yet. And, and do I tell you where I think he was best used? Surprise, surprise. A comic book movie. He was in Suic- The Suicide Squad, the new one. Oh, yes, yeah. And he was, which I saw a few weeks ago, and he was brilliant. Like, you totally got his toughness, but his humour and his world-weary kind of eye-rolling irritation. But his sense of... I really thought James Gunn really used him better than any other Hollywood film. So I'm really hoping that Hollywood is going to start a new kind of... Let's show Idris some respect and give him some proper roles that deserve him because he's brilliant. But... Listen to that Regina King Oscar winner, Zazie Beats, so fantastic as Domino in Deadpool 2. I mean, they are just Lakeith Stanfield. It's like a who's who of like brilliant actors at the moment. And, you know, I, I think we're starting to see a lot of resurgence now. 
mark my words, we're we're sort of just at the beginning of the crest of the wave of of kind of the re, the kind of revisionist postmodern Western now. So I mean, we're seeing more westerns with more diverse perspectives. Uh, Momoa. <gasps> He's got to come up on the A to Z of the sessions at some point. But Jason Momoa, Aquaman, he's just filming one. He just finished one called The Last Manhunt, which is very um, a much... Uh, that's, that's Baywatch's Jason Momoa, isn't it? Aquaman's Jason Momoa. Um, <laughs> and Aquaman was, what's he called? Chase from, um, from Entourage. Is it too late to pull out of this podcast? No, 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 you're in now. <laughs> um, can you let me go now? Um, the... Um, uh, so Jason Momoa is doing this one called The Last Manhunt coming up and that's going to be with a predominantly Native American cast okay so you know some interesting you know Django Unchained we've seen some really interesting kind of takes on that on what is a very cliched and tired genre so I think the harder they fall look I'm bigging it up I haven't seen it yet because it's not out but, but I but you're excited by the cast and, oh and my you're God. excited by all the elements of it so that's you'll know really I'm, you'll get to know I'm an actor's I'm an actor's person and you know and that excites me incredibly <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned about Idris Elba and, and I was thinking sure. that the only I mean so you're, you're so right I hadn't thought of this before but he's been wasted in most of the yes. things he's been in through no fault of his own yeah he was in um, he, wasn't he in some of the Thor films was he like the gatekeeper yeah, or something Heimdall. I mean I'm going to take one because it's Marvel and I love Marvel but also he was he wasn't as famous as he was then so you know he was in a smaller role then so I, that totally and his role increases as in the sequels as he becomes more you know, as he becomes a bigger deal. But, you know, I'm thinking like the Dark Tower, you know, and stuff. I think he's just, he's always, he, he's one of those rare people who can, who can literally be an absolute leading man and a villain. And there's not many actors who can switch between that. Mm. Um, he was in, what did I see him in? Molly's Game. He, I thought he was okay in that. That's the Jessica Chastain Just, yeah. one. Yeah. Now that was really for her. And she, for him, it was almost a bit of an extended cameo. But he was he was right. quite good in He's it. He's brilliant in everything. I thought he was totally wasted though in the Star Trek film where he was the villain, you know. And, yeah. and, and you just, you couldn't really even tell. It was him underneath yeah. all the prosthetics he yeah. was wearing. Well, I would recommend the Suicide Squad a because it's just brilliant fun from James Gunn and director Guardians of the Galaxy. But he is, they, I just literally, my real takeaway from that was they really gave him every aspect of what we love about Elba in this country to shine right. but I think we use him well over here but not, mm. not so much in Hollywood and for those who are big fans of him undoubtedly probably from Luther there's a movie of Luther coming out and uh, it's already it's in pre-production but Andy Circus is in it and so Cynthia Erivo and it's directed <gasps> by Jamie Payne Cynthia Erivo so, so they're taking it to the big screen uh, if you are a fan of Luther then that might be very good news but the film that is out now on uh, Netflix is The Harder They Fall uh, now Let's go on to this, uh, quickly mention this pay-per-view yes, movie. Please. We mentioned this a few months ago because it was out in the cinema, I think was it toward the end of August, I believe. Uh, but it's mm. the, uh, the, the film, which is, I think, is it a reimagining? Well, you'll tell us, Candyman. It is, it, you know what, it, kind, it is actually a sequel. It's officially a sequel. It doesn't, it directly references the events and even some clips from the first one. Am I right in thinking it's only a sequel to the first movie? It's yeah, ignoring the it's doing Halloween ones. Yeah. And kind of the rest don't really count. Because um, I think there was two or three candy men, plural. Um, yeah, there, there was. There was yes, it's definitely there was, two. Th- no, there was three. There were okay. there were three. I think the first one, maybe the first two were cinematic releases. At least the last one, if not the last two, were directed. And two did have the best tagline ever: "Farewell to the flesh." I love those B movie kind of taglines. Yeah. Um, you have to say it in that voice. Um, so it is a direct sequel because that's a really important film in terms of representation and, and narrative. And you know, it's of its time, but it's a really important film in terms of what it deals with. And I just had to talk about it because you know I don't want to tread on anyone's toes who's previously discussed it. But I mean, it's obviously got Yahya Abdul Mateen 
to in it, or the second, I should say, who is just like my absolute idol. He has such screen presence. Aquaman's Yaya Abdul Mateen. He's he's um, Black Manta in it. Okay. Um, but it's um, Candyman. It's like when I say what I'm about to say, don't let your eyes glaze over and think here's an academic. But it's almost like kind of a really intelligent essay on the first film. And I know I'm not selling it. It's an essay for two hours, but it's not. It's still a really good horror movie. But it's like a really mature without sounding pretentious, a really sophisticated reflection on current things such as police brutality in America to, you know, black citizens. Um, it's about gentrification, which fascinates me. It's a really great bit without spoiling anything where, you know, Yahya Abdul-Mateen plays an artist and um, the art critic kind of confronts him and says to him, you know, I don't know why you're making this art criticising gentrification because you're, um, you know artists are responsible for gentrification you know they're um they're the ones kind you're the ones kind of um who 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 are responsible because you've brought all this you you bring the gentrification into the area by using your workshops and it was like some it's rare that kind of a hollywood film really makes you think about these things it's like oh, that's a really good point and it's it's just a brilliant film i was also quite taken by i read something about tony todd who plays Candyman, who played Candyman in the original movies as well. And and he saw Candyman as quite a romantic figure. And right. he felt it was sort of a dark love story, the first one especially, uh, between him and the, the, the main protagonist. I think, was it Virginia Madsen? Virginia Madsen. Who I believe is in this movie as well, in a sort very small of. way. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, yeah. Um, and... Yeah, and, and I suppose Candyman came out around the same time as Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was another great horror but love story and that mm. kind of romantic gothic. Um, I, yeah. do, I must say, I do think that Tony Todd was stretching it a little bit. Oh, yeah. But I, what, having heard that, what he'd said or read what he said and then having seen Candyman for the first mm. time a couple of months ago, the original one from the 90s, I could see it in his performance. I could see that's what he was going for in the way he did it. He wasn't just some sort of you know faceless Monster. villain like a like a jason Voorhees or a michael Absolutely. myers he was trying to be something different and and actually it's um it's actually more maybe an obsession story maybe the obsession the love story is on one side but it's like an obsessive love isn't it and like mm. drac bram stokes drac yeah it's very similar actually i never sort of thought of making that comparison before but it, it works yeah, you see that's why you don't need academics you need people with street smarts mm. anyway Candyman, the 2021 version uh is available now where you can hire where, or where you can rent your films online yeah so, i watched it on Sky, yeah. Okay, um, but yes, I think those who know how to do that would know, because I think you can do it in a variety of places, can't you? When it's out on pay-per-view, you can, yeah, you can find it online. You'll find it. Produced by Jordan Peele as well. Okay, there you go. Um, (laughs) You did a very cool sign with your hands there. Yeah, that that works best in an audio form, believe you me. Anyway, (laughs) Candyman is out uh, now on pay-per-view. Undoubtedly, it'll be out for free on a streaming service probably in the next couple of months. Who knows? Anyway, we will have uh, Tim's A to Z of Cinema Obsessions next. The Film Guide with Tim Stafford, part of the Suburbans Podcast with Danny Smith. Time now for Tim's A to Z of Cinema Obsessions. Anybody who knows Tim, and there's probably two people out there that do, um, <laughs> they will probably agree with the, the words Tim and obsession being in the same sentence. Is this a fair comment? 
that you've literally just robbed my introduction that but i'm glad like i can't do better than that like you'll hear the phrase i'm obsessed with dot 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 a lot and don't ever think any of those sessions aren't true i just have a lot of obsessions okay so let, let's clarify a couple of things here so okay. the a to z of cinema obsessions means mm. that you are going to come up with for the next 26 shows that you do and you're going to be here for the um well at the moment we, we, we might discuss this off air later but at the moment you're, <laughs> you're going to do the third and the fifth fridays of the month mm. yeah so that's at least 12 third fridays and i think there's three or four fifth fridays yeah so you know you're going to cover the whole alphabet where are you starting because you're, today if you you're a maverick so i don't know where you're going to start with your a to z well a i'm not that much of a maverick i'm quite conformist no, you could have started at m and you might have worked forward and then well, come back i didn't back know and... that we it's... i can't come up with an m yet i'm not having got that many it would have been momoa jason momoa yeah yeah bay watches jason momoa yeah aquaman's jason yeah, momoa no, i told you it's, it's, what was he called chase was it vinnie chase was that i've never one? seen an episode of Baywatch in my life no no and no. if that means you're going to fire me that's fine no I'll no go. oh no no that was refer- that was referring to entourage because you said about aquaman and uh, yes in the tv series adrian grenier Ad- plays it doesn't he yeah, that's the yeah. role he gets yeah yes. and he plays in the fictional movie aquaman yes. directed by james cameron that's right yeah As and they that ha- would ever happen and they had James Cameron as a did, cameo. Did he cameo? Yeah. Fantastic. And it was they, this big role he landed, wasn't yeah. it? And that was before, ever before, like, the MCU was Years a thing, Years before, it? yeah. They were ahead of the curve, yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, but apparently they picked it because they, they thought Aquaman was the one that, that could never be filmed. They just it was, thought, like, too much just, of a joke. Just wouldn't work as a movie. So, so they thought it was safe to pick that one. Because well, it would, go and And I the- believe Marvel were happy with that for similar reasons. DC whatever so. no it's not whatever go go and tell Momoa he's a joke now to his face let's see I couldn't tell him to his face I only come up to his nipples I'd have to send him on a box I've met him and he is huge he, I come up six, to his armpit six five or yeah, something I literally had a photo with him and I'm like under it so it's fitting yeah. in the crook of his armpit yeah but I gather really nice guy oh my god I'm obsessed with him. The nicest guy, a big, gentle giant. Lovely. Okay. So no surprises what's coming up for M. <laughs> but let's go Let's go back to A. And where are we going? With, I mean, I, I don't do know why I'm asking. I know I've got it on my screen. What do here, you but... think it's... What well, guess, pretend. What All do right. you think the A is going to be for me? Anne Hathaway. Could it be Avengers? Could it be Amy Adams? No, it's Anne Hathaway. I've realised what the time is. Well, Come don't on. Don't ruin it. It's Anne Hathaway. Um, a is for Anne Hathaway. But it could have been so many things, of yeah, course. Well, whatever. Um, so um, I just, I'm obsessed with Anne Hathaway. Um, her range. We just need to quickly talk about her range. Just quickly. Alice. Can we go back? Sorry. Yes, please. When did you first become aware of Anne Hathaway? Oh, my God. That is such a good question. Thank you. I'm here all week. I mean, I guess most people said Devil Wears Prada, but I bet if I go and look on her Wikipedia list, I'll go back further. Brokeback Mountain was after devil wears prada she's incredible in that she's incredible in everything was it after i think it was yeah okay well i'll, yeah, bow, I'll bow to you on that because you got your i think PhD. No, I'm, I'm just guessing okay yeah it doesn't mean i'm writing everything literally you said off air it does yeah of course it does um i'm being, I'm being know your humble. place for the words you muttered but. that was right yeah glad you remembered yeah. um so alice in wonderland and listen to the diversity of these roles brokeback mountain the witches Devil Wears Prada, Colossal, Rachel Getting Married. Talk about an actor who literally strides between genres, between serious, between comedy. And she never, ever missteps. And I won't hear a word against her. And given that she started out in The Princess Diaries and and where she is now, you know, you would not think that 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 you would not have projected that trajectory, would you? Difficult route to traverse from Disney princess to... So, Brokeback Mountain, 2005. Devil Wears Prada, 2006. Wow. One to Danny. Well, well I don't believe but, it was an actual... Don't have to be a doctor. 
but uh, but no she she's done such a great she you look and but you look like you said they're not all comedies they're not all no. dramas there's oscar winning in there there's you know um literally she does something like the witches which could be pantomime in its performance and that's the other thing she does alice in wonderland is could is like cartoony but there is never she never tips over into like an embarrassing over the top role in alice in wonderland she's just hilarious she just always brings it in yeah brings it in so can i just clarify as well what you said earlier are you saying that she has never misstepped or that she's never been in a bad movie Absolutely. which what both or she was never thrown in a bad performance in her life okay now that's that i think that's a fair comment i think I there's, there's yeah. quite a few actors where you could say they might have been in stinkers but they were right. good they gave Absolutely. it their all because i was just thinking she was in oceans eight but <gasps> i offended oh. you now I love that film. Really? I'm obsessed with all the Oceans films. I didn't think it was as bad as people made out it was. By a long shot, it was not Downing as bad as... it with as... faint praise. Um, do you know, guess what O is going to be in the week of cinema? Huh? Guess what O is going to be on the A to Z of cinema? Oceans. All of them. Okay, well that's fine. It's you not going to be. Well no, but it's, it's, it's nearly a year away. She's so. brilliant in that. She plays, again, a part that could tip into real stereotypes. She plays this really self-obsessed, new, neurotic is the only word for mm. actor. And she's just brilliant in it. She's yeah. just brilliant. I thought she was interesting in The Dark Knight Rises as well. Yes, guy. Why was that not on my list? I don't know. Um... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm i not sure that hers is the best performance of Catwoman that I've ever seen. But I think Michelle that that's, brilliant. I think Michelle Pfeiffer. I even thought Halle Berry was quite good in an atrocious movie. I thought the movie itself, I really thought was a bit of a stinker, but I didn't think Halle Berry was too bad. Silence doesn't work on the radio. No, does it, it doesn't. If I just sit silently just, just during t- that. No comment. So you disagree? I have never actually seen that Catwoman. Ah, okay. And you know me, I'm an absolute comic book. Yeah. Superhero. It, but okay, well... I, uh, there's a scene in The Dark Knight where they're in, she goes to this meeting. I think it's to, to is it to, cover, to uh, hand over a USB or something? And she's going sort of as Selena Carr, but she's going to, and then it gets raided and she switches in one second from being in control on purpose to pretending the part of this damsel in distress screaming, but, and she's screaming for her life as all these bullets are going off. And this switch in performance is just so beautiful. I mean, it's the same in Brokeback Mountain. There's this scene where at the end, if I won't spoil anything, but, you know, he phones her and, you know, she just does this one nod. He said, I was a friend of your husband's, you know, and she just does this one nod on the phone like, mm-hmm. And you just know she knows everything about their relationship. And she's this really frustrated wife who's never kind of able to speak about it. And it's this, oh, it just speaks volumes. And she's like, she's such a good face actor. <laughs> she can do like one expression and it says like a hundred things. But I did want to talk about Les Miserables, okay. obviously, in that, because I'm going to focus in on one film on that. I mean, she's, again, it's one of those, you know, there's that thing when like um, Judy Dench is in Shakespeare in Love and she won the Oscar. And I think her total screen time is like nine minutes or something. But you think nine minutes, she dominated that film. And it's like Les Miserables. She's only in really... No spoilers, but she is. I mean, everyone knows it's the musical. I can't spoil it. No. She's only in the first probably 30 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe. I'm not sure. And she just, and there's that one take of, you know, um, I Dreamed a Dream, which is just devastating. The camera's still, usually you can compensate for poor acting with moving a camera around and flashy bits. It's just her face on looking really, really battered. No, no, no camera movement could improve Russell Crowe's singing in that film, but... <laughs> 
Anyway. No comment. Um, yeah, he's and, right. He um, doesn't listen on... He only listens on the first uh, Friday of the month, so we're fine. Okay, all right. Well, I like Russell Crowe. I don't actually, I'm scared of him. Um, and, um, you know, that, that she does this kind of fix shot, Tom Hooper's direction, and she, you know, and they performed live on, on set, you know, with earpieces, and she's just devastating in that role. And, I mean... I mean, what's not to love? Yeah, um, I do. I do like her. She's in. Oh, act- I actually, do I just, like her. I do, I, no, I just really. I, I'm not an obsessive like you, but then who is? You know. That's, Thank you. Thanks. Take it as a badge of honour. There you go. But um, I did. I noticed she's in one of my favourite films of recent years as well. She was in Don John. If you've seen this film, Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, starred in it and, and wrote it directly directed it um yeah he did all of i think he even sweeped up and did did tease on tuesdays making did. that movie but but i didn't realize she was in it because she wasn't one of the listed like top listed cast but she uh yeah it was scarlett johansson and julianne moore were in why that. haven't i seen this i don't know but it's a really good it's a very small little indie film so it, it may have missed your radar slightly and jgl um, joseph gordon both of them in dark knight rises of course yeah yeah of course um and yeah it's got uh it's it, brie larson's in it as well um <gasps> But uh, but yeah, she she's in it, and and it it's one of these parts where I think she played something like woman, yeah, Hollywood actress one. She played um, brilliant. But but yeah, Don brilliant. John is the name of the film uh, from twenty thirteen. So look out for it. it and Rachel getting married. I have to put well, that's a little gem in her back. It's a really serious film about addiction and family dysfunctional families and. Uh, alcoholism and it's so powerful and she's just you flip from that to like the grand high witch I mean, of course they were years apart but the witches or alice in wonderland what what range what range and coming up for her she's in the sesame street movie that is 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 coming out tell me elmo's the star character please tell me it's about elmo or big, i will walk out now big bird i mean i love big bird but is it about Big Bird and Elmo? Like Big Bird, Elmo is Robin to Big Bird's Batman. Let me let me just tell you, contain your excitement. Big Bird and his Sesame Street friends are mysteriously expelled from their neighbourhood, finding themselves in Manhattan. They team up with a plucky history show host, Sally Hawthorne, played by Anne Hathaway, uh, who's on a quest to save her show and prove that Sesame Street actually exists with obstacles created by the evil mayor within reasons with reasons of his own for keeping Sesame Street a secret. Have you actually just made that film up to like in a lab design the film that would make me the happiest in the world? Or is that honestly, that's like something I dreamt. Is that real? It's real. Comes out next year. 2022. I'm actually going to have to pause recording in a minute because I'm probably going to cry at the thought of that. Like, I'm already worried. Comes out January 20. You haven't even got that long to wait. 14th of <laughs> I'm January. I'm honestly getting a bit traumatised. I'm really worried about what chucks them out of Sesame Street. It doesn't get bulldozed or anything. I can't cope. Like, seriously. I, I, I don't know. That's all he says. Okay, well, I'm going to worry says. now from January. Okay. Well, you January. haven't got very long to wait. But anyway, well, the A to Z. Now, S is going to be Sesame Street then. <laughs> I can really think of what M should be, you muppet. But you anyway. All right, we'll uh, we'll be looking at Tim's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week in a moment. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. 
That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Time now to take a look at Tim's Choice. There's a lot of T's in that sentence there. Time to take a look at Tim's Choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. Oh, you need your teeth into this show. Yeah. Alliteration. So, Tim, we're going to start with Friday, the 29th of October, 6.40pm on Film 4, Warcraft The Beginning. I just noticed here, obviously I know, but I'd written it down and I misread it. I thought I'd written directed by Duncan James from Blue, which would have been amazing. But it's not, it's Duncan Jones. Okay. <laughs> and you know who Duncan Jones is, don't you? Duncan Jones, the son of David Bowie. Yeah, I mean, he's a brilliant director yeah. in his, his own right, obviously. M- moon and Source Code. Oh, yeah. Well, oh my God. Intelligent sci-fi at its best without sounding pretentious. Isn't brilliant. he, am I right in thinking that all of his movies are set in the same universe? Or unofficially. Or some of them were. Unofficially, I think. Easter eggy and noddy wise. What was the one, are, what was the one they, he did with not, uh, Alexander Sarsgaard? Oh, mute, mute. Because right. there's a there's a shot that of is. Sam Rockwell in the background on a mm. TV, mm. and it's the Sam Rockwell character from That's Moon. Right. But uh, but but it's it's not like an interconnected narrative, and it's more just nice little Easter eggs yeah. for that you could imagine. Yeah, but them. I love some of that stuff. Yeah, of course. I think that's but it's really not. Cool. It doesn't. They're not sort of even indirect sequels or anything connected narratively. It's just visually. I think. I love done. You know, if you you're familiar with source code, I love it. I love the fact you might Illinois. already know that. You might already know. Oh, he's gone off again. Get his meds, matron. Um, no, but it, it, there's a bit where he is on the phone to his dad, and it, the actor who did the voice for his dad. Do you know who it was? No, Scott Bakula. Wow, from Quantum, Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap, Scott Bakula. Which many people said source code was really like Quant- a very similar premise yes. to Quantum Leap. Yes, I can see that. And Duncan Jones knew that making it, and as a homage to that, got Scott Bakula in a cameo role. And, and I, I think I- actually last night in Soho sounds quite similar, doesn't it? Leaping into a body of someone yeah. else, not not the same actor playing them, leaping into the yeah. body. Yeah, yeah, it does have that sort yeah. of familiarity. Body swapping. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this <laughs> film by Duncan Jones. I didn't know he made this film. So yes. Warcraft The Beginning. This was his Tell big Hollywood. You know, he'd been doing kind of some dark, darker, more adult indie stuff. And this was his big leap into massive budget responsibility and everything. And I think Duncan Jones is a great person on Twitter. I love him. Um, I love him um, as a director. I think mm. he's brilliant. But this was quite different. This Can one. I say, I would like to see a movie by Duncan James as well. So just if he's listening, I wouldn't want him to get, you know, Warcraft by The Beginning soundtrack to the jukebox, music, jukebox musical by The Songs of Blue would be my dream. Yeah, but it wouldn't stay in the cinema very long, would it? It would just fly by. Nice. Yeah, thank you. Anyway. Yeah. You're guilty of a bad pun there. Oh, dear. I can do this all day. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, that's uh, Warcraft, the beginning, based on a video game. So based on, well, the MMORPG, massive multiplayer online game that is a, like literally a dick the world is addicted to and has, and, and, and has just lasted and lasted and lasted. It's a cult, you know, and um, in a good way. Um, and I played that. I, was, I had my phase of going through a few years of being addicted to Warcraft. And do you know what works really well? I remember going to see Warcraft at the cinema and it was, I, I think it was kind of quite, it was a flop like commercially mm. and it was quite people have been quite unfairly I think derisive about it and I remember going to see it and I thought what it did brilliantly was you know in the Warcraft the game it, re- it represents the a good a good video game adaptation will represent the experience of playing the game okay not just the narrative and of course you can choose what side you're on in Warcraft you can generate an orc character or a human there's no really you know you see things from your tribal perspectives there's no really goodies or villains you know and 
It starts with Toby Kebbles, who's like a motion capture character, brilliant, as one of the orcs. And it starts with him and his wife giving birth to their beautiful baby. And you see this beautiful, tender baby. And you see, you know, the orc is kind of like the main character. And it's really the humans who are sort of the villains in it. You know, so it really replicates the fact that you could go into this game and play from a tribal perspective and you would see yourself as the hero right that's uh, starring Toby Kebble uh, Travis Fimmel and Paula Patton Warcraft the beginning Friday the 29th of October 6.40pm on Film 4 let's move to Saturday the 30th of October Channel 4 8.55pm The Great Wall this is about Trump and Mexico and no no okay and maybe um symbolically and figuratively but not and do you know who's in it uh Matt Damon Matt Damon um, there you go. Pedro Pascal, soon to be in the Last of Us TV series. Okay, and uh, the Mandalorian oh, is in as well. Pedro Pascal. Or, or is he? Because you never see his face. The rise to power of Pedro Pascal. Yeah. We're just living in his world. Um, that This is another one that was kind of, I don't think, a big hit in cinema. Was this a bit controversial for casting Matt Damon? We're going to talk. There's a theme running through my choices this week. Okay. And, okay. Um, the, and we're talking about like films that have had controversy over kind of whitewashing accusations and stuff and you know or the white savior kind of thing you know um and it's but it's Zhang Zhang Yimou who is just an incredible Chinese director hero house of flying dags and I'd say one of the directors who can use color the in the greatest way in the a handful of them who just use color incredibly and it's it's really spectacular and I think it's a, actually a really entertaining kind of fantasy okay well, and what's it about? It's about um, he's Matt Damon's kind of this mercenary, and they get they're traveling through China, and they're they're Europeans, obviously, and they're captured, and then they have to, and they have to, they they get returned to their captor's base in the Great Wall, and then you know they're kind of like prisoners and have no value until ancient monsters attack the Great Wall, and they realize that the Great Wall was in fact built. That was the reason Ooh. it was built to protect against these once in a generation so, monsters. Sort of historical fantasy, then this would be. Uh, yeah, just up my street. I remember okay. seeing it in IMAX. Fantastic. So okay. sit close to the TV. <laughs> okay, that's the Great Wall, Channel Four, eight fifty-five PM on Sunday, the thirtieth of uh, October. Uh, no, Danny Dyer in this at all, or is that just the wall that he's in? Bring on the wall. Is that yeah? I, no, I that's another TV show. Okay, that was the one where they had to fit in the shapes through the wall as it came across. Them. Remember. No. No, okay. Just me. Right. Uh, but, but I believe Danny Dyer did do a thing recently called The Wall, That's didn't he? I didn't one. just make yeah, it up. Yeah, The Wall, yeah. No, okay. Let's move on to so Sunday, the <gasps> 31st of October, Halloween, uh, five uh, on Channel 5, 5.35pm. An interesting choice. A great what? film. It is an interesting choice. Why interesting? Because it's not boring. Yeah, but interesting usually means like, do you like my new haircut? interesting no 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 because that's different that's that's the sort of thing where you say well that'll take a while to grow back won't it um no beetlejuice (gasps) my the greatest director of all time my favorite director of all time tim burton my namesake tim burton um i mean speaks for itself but i'm gonna go still introduce you brilliant fun bit scary bit funny but mainly funny classic Michael Keaton this is the first movie that I was aware of of him where it really showed um, Tim Burton I mean uh, Me showed his visual style I think this is would this be his breakthrough movie this was where I as a you know a uh, young lad who wasn't even old enough to get the 15 certificate video out from the store share my age you know and seeing this and just literally overnight becoming obsessed with Winona Ryder Catherine O'Hara Tim Burton I mean yeah absolute peak Burton just before Batman and what a great central performance for Michael oh. Keaton. And they're always threatening this sequel. I mean, threatening in a good way. 
and I think it will happen at some point, but it never seems to kind of make it through to fruition. But, um, you know, absolutely just classic. Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, just, it's just peak, pure, uncut Burton. <laughs> yeah. And, and yes, as you said, there, there's been talk of a, um, uh, there's been talk of a sequel. It, it is listed still, but, but it's been listed for a very long time as, as something that's pending. Um, there was a TV series apparently that ran cartoon. for, oh, was it a cartoon? Okay. I was going to say it ran for 94 episodes. And Broadway musical now. Oh, okay. Huge Broadway musical, very successful. Right. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this was the film that started it all for uh, for, for Tim Burton um, and yeah Michael Keaton, who he went on to work with a couple more times Lots after of times, that. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, Beetlejuice. Uh, it, it is a horror. It's not in a conventional sense, which is why I thought it was an interesting choice for Halloween. Right. So, I see. And I stand by that. And you can give me all the looks you want, mate. I'm standing. Yeah. All right. That's a scary one. Uh, anyway, Beetlejuice, Channel 5, 5.35pm on Sunday the 31st of October. Let's move to Monday the 1st of November, All Saints Day no less. Not the band, but, you know, Catholic oh, thing. Imagine if there was a day for All Saints. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. Bring it, bring it on now. I know, but if you're going to have that, you've at least got to have one for the Sugar Babes. You've got to, you've got to be yeah. equal. Anyway, Monday the 1st of November... Gods of Egypt, film for 6.35pm. What a load of old tosh, but go on, convince me why I'm wrong. I'm not going to convince you you're wrong in the sense that, like, literally, some of these choices are always kind of films that have interested me or stood out for a reason. Now, you could argue that, actually, I said with this theme going through, I shouldn't be, like, putting ones that have been accused of, you know, whitewashing and stuff, and mm. and I and, and that's an argument. But I, I, they're just interesting, because when I listed the Gods of Egypt one, I was thinking, is that that Ridley Scott one? No. And then what happens the next day? <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah. That one comes up, and I don't know what film four are doing with that. Maybe there is some theme going through, but um, there must be some selection choice there. But, you know, these are films that actually were quite rightly kind of, you know, set in Egypt using no Egyptian actors or anything, you know, and it's all these kind of American white actors you know or european actors and and it's really interesting and again for that reason maybe you should say actually i shouldn't be you know recommending them but you know these are the big kind of interesting films of how kind of hollywood has taken on these kind of big biblical epics but and but also i thought with this that, that it was a little bit of um sort of topical casting you know they went yeah. with uh, i can never get his name quite right nikolai costa waldo i think it's valdu but i might Val- you might okay. waldo might be right i was more worried about the first bit so the last bit yeah <laughs> nikolai costa valdu um, from um game of thrones one of the big stars of game of thrones so he oh. was very much hot property at this time gerard butler was fairly big property who was also known for for doing uh, you know a sword and sandal epic himself uh, chadwick boseman was in there um yeah <gasps> but Brendan Thwaites come on yeah okay um, I love Brendan Thwaites oh, uh, Rufus Sewell was in it um, wow. Brian Brown uh, but it was awful Brian I saw Brown. this and it was just FX man. yeah yeah um, well what I was thinking of this film begins with one of those letters but anyway um, it's just, but I just sorry I thought this was terrible and the effects were dodgy because this idea that some of these people were gods who were all like what like nine foot tall and they, they right. did something which didn't look anywhere near as convincing as as in I don't know like bring back Stargate is what we say or, or Lord of the Rings where you had you know they did some very clever sometimes some very simple, simple things to make uh, Gandalf look seven foot tall and the hobbits to look tiny yeah and and it worked really well with this it just looked really really nasty. look daddy you know if I disagree with you, I'm going to tell you straight yeah. away as I expect you to do with me but I mean I literally I didn't put this 
in as in because it's a passion. I didn't put it in as in because I think it's awful. Of course I wouldn't. But like, I just think it's an interesting kind of discussion point, really. And, you know, that cast. And then again, especially with my next choice, kind of. Well, I'm more excited to talk about your next choice. Okay, so, let's do it. So Gods of Egypt, not to be confused. And by the way, that I is. I did get them confused. Monday the 1st of November, uh, Film 4, 6.35pm. But on Film 4, the following day, 6.05pm, the way better in every measurable conceivable way. Exodus, Gods and Kings, the Ridley Scott epic. And if if there's somebody who knows a bit about sand and epics, it's Ridley Scott. Well, I heard you and Howard talking about this a couple of weeks ago. And you you were going through the list of what Ridley Scott had done. And I know this list, but here again, it was like, does that man like clone himself? He like produces like three films a year. At the moment, it's like The Last Jewel. Then House of Gucci's already got his trailer out. He literally is tireless. Let's bottle his work ethic and his energy and use it, please, and get some injection of it. Because just incredible. I mean, this is, he's got so many films that, like, you almost, well, I completely forgotten this one even existed. I'll be really honest with you, Danny. I completely forgotten Exodus Gods and Kings had even existed until I saw Gods of Egypt. And I thought, mm. is this the Ridley Scott one? It wasn't. Because <laughs> some people, I've, I read an interesting piece that was saying that Ridley Scott rejuvenated the sword and sandal epic with Gladiator. And then kind of did the last film that was any good in that, in that genre, with this one, Exodus, mm, Gods and Kings. There was a lot of controversy around this as well at the time. Um, you know, you've got, there are so many good, you know, Egyptian actors and actors, you know, and, and, and I think it kind of really was almost like you said, the death now for those films. Because now, even just a few years later, I think even Hollywood, who is, you know, quite conservative with a small C, would not, would consider now making sure they had a much more diverse cast, I would like to think, you know. But you've got, you know, look at the quality of the cast. Joel Edgerton, Christian Bale, you know. I mean, they're not they're not people you'd, who are begging to be in a film, you know. I mean, and Christian Bale at the top of his Batman tree at that point, you know. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great film. And for those who don't know, it's basically it's the story of Moses. Um, mm. And uh, so it's, it's Ridley Scott's take on that. Uh, like just about every biblical um, um, version of or every, every tale made based on a, a biblical story, they're all whitewashed. You know, they all have a white Jesus. They all Absolutely. have white figures. And these figures weren't. They were all from the Middle East. They would all ethnically would be very Absolutely. different from how they're so often... Um, shown there is a tv series it's a, it's a web-based tv series called the chosen which is retelling the new testament stories oh, nice. of, of jesus and in, in that uh, they uh, it's it's authentically cast right you know all the characters geographically are from, yeah yeah um and and it's all the better for it um you know for the way that they've done it they have been very faithful to the casting to make sure that because so many of these things like this you know christian bale playing moses <laughs> he doesn't look that middle eastern you know me. i laugh at it it's a very serious issue actually and do you know what i'm really glad we had this discussion because genuinely i'm not trying to sound um you know, sanctimonious, but this is exactly the reason I put these on this list because I wanted to kind of discuss this and I'm not holding them up as an example of this is how they should be made. I've, I really hoped it would raise some interesting points. So thank you for bringing that up because that's exactly why I chose them. Okay, so that's uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings, 6.05pm film four on Tuesday the 2nd of November. Let's go to Wednesday the 3rd of November on Great Movies and yet that is a channel on Freeview at 8.05pm directed by Ben Stiller, The Cable Guy. <gasps> I'm the cable guy. I've never seen it. I've seen it a long time ago. But I remember really enjoying it. Again, a complete flop, a notorious flop. And it had to happen at some time because Carrie was untouchable during that run. But I applaud always actors, as in my Anne Hathaway obsession, who do something different. 
so easy for Carrie to stay on doing that. And then we'd never have had the likes of The Truman Show. Um, you know, That was a great film. Yeah, Man on Sun- the Moon. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless oh. Mind. Wonderful. I mean, some of, the great, some of the greatest performances ever. And like, you know, he could have easily stayed in that mask Ace Ventura role. And, you know, and actually Ben Stiller is a great director. I mean, anyone who, who brought a Zoolander, you know. Um, but, you know, and I applaud both of them for doing, for taking such a massive kind of leap of, someone who's so famous for doing one thing and letting them play in a different sandbox and, you know, being a bit dark. And it is really dark, actually. It's quite kind of, it's, it's not, it starts off as this kind of odd couple friendship and it gets quite <laughs> stalkerish and obsessive. And, you know, it's fun, but um, as it says here, it rapidly descends into something far more bizarre and menacing. But it's a really interesting film. I mean, like, I'm not raving about it, but it was... Well, it says here, I just looked it up, mm. uh, and it says here, comedy, drama, thriller. So it's not just out and out I'd comedy. I'd say, yeah, and I'd sort of leave out the drama. I'd say it's a comedy thriller, like, like. Well, there you go. There's no sort of quality of the drama, it's, but it's 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 weird. I've forgotten thrim- Matthew Broderick's a, a in it. A if you yeah. will. And I kind of forgotten Matthew Broderick in my head. It was like Ben Stiller was the main guy, and that was the main role. But it's not at all. Like it's Matthew Broderick. Is, is Ben Stiller? Oh, he is in it. He is. It wasn't just one that it's he was directing. A long time ago, I saw it, but yeah. I remember really liking it. And I, but I, again, it was one of those ones I didn't see at the cinema because it was a notorious flop. And then I just saw it on video a few years later, and I'm just thinking as usual well that wasn't half as bad as people said <laughs> there you go that's uh, the cable guy uh, which is on on wednesday great movies 8 5 p.m uh yeah check it out that's wednesday the 3rd of november final movie of the week thursday the 4th of november film for 6 30 p.m i'm interested to see where your um controversy comes in with this it's star trek generations there's no controversy. What? I thought you said all your films. This <laughs> no, there was a link going through some of them. But I oh. think I did imply that. Sorry. I thought you were going to say Beetlejuice start. has no controversy. I, don't, I was wondering where this was going. <laughs> Sorry, Daddy. I'm really, oh, I'm I thinking, honestly feel really upset. I've disappointed oh, you. A little bit. Because I was thinking, oh, what was that? Because I've only recently re-seen this movie. And I thought... No, there was no controversy with Cable controversy? Guy or Beetlejuice either. Yeah, well, I didn't care so much about them. But I cared <laughs> about this one. And I was thinking, was the controversy maybe, I don't know, that they, they kill Kirk? Or, or the... Or, <gasps> All that, oh, not really. All that they brought him back because, like, Spoilers. yeah, but it's, it's the controversy is when I was looking through nobody this. Nobody in Star Trek's truly dead, are they? Because well, look, sci-fi. They they killed um, Spock in the in the second one, and then he was back in the third. You know, yeah. And in a universe where Chris Hemsworth is Kirk's dad, how could we ever think that's a bad yeah. thing? Mm, okay, I don't know why I just brought that in, but there's the controversy. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Right. Um, Hashtag nice. obsessive. Uh, Star Trek Generations. Wait till we get though. for H in my A to Z of obsessions. Um, Star Trek Generations. Hawkeye. Hulk. Um, the um, the the controversy with this is, I in my head when I chose it, thought that's the one with Tom Hardy, in, and then realised it was Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah. yeah. So before you correct me, I realised on my mistake. However, um, I am a. I'm not a Trekkie. Like, I'm more a Star Wars man and obviously a Marvel guy and you cannot be a geek of everything well. Um, but I've always loved, I have to say, as I haven't got encyclopedic knowledge of the TV series, but I've always loved the films. I thought every film has all had merit to them. Seriously. I think, I I think, think that really there good. are strong films and there are weak films, but I think the weak films stand up beside other films. You know, that I think... Relatively. The, yeah, yeah. I think, I think the weak Star Trek movies are still good movies. I agree. They're um, always got thought in them. Yeah. They never seem churned out. No. They really don't. And J.J. Abrams, I'm looking at you. <gasps> but yeah. Brilliant. I thought Chris the, Hemsworth is granddad of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that, just because he got a casting thing right, doesn't mean to say the movie was any good. No. Actually, his, I thought J.J. Abrams' first one was very good. The other two... Brilliant. Made me cry. I've never yeah. cried in a Star Wars, a Star Trek film until I watched that. Like, right. I was like, crying. It was absolutely brilliant. Crying because it was good before you say anything. No, anyway, Star Trek Generations. Okay. So, yeah, it is 
Kirk Killer, Malcolm McDowell. I remember that was a headline in Empire. Like they had an interview with him and it was like Kirk Killer. I was like, well, that's a spoiler. <laughs> I read, read a thing of his recently where he said he was asked to list any movies yeah. he'd ever made for the paycheck alone. And he said this one straight away. Really? Yeah. He said just did it for the paycheck. He wasn't particularly impressed with I his don't performance. Think work Orange didn't, would have been on that didn't, list. Didn't like the movie. Didn't particularly really? like working with William Shatner. Um, there's lots oh. of things he didn't particularly like about the movie. Don't uh, mention William Chatner. He can do things. He's got powers now. He's been up in space. Yeah. Um, the um, Patrick Stewart, it's kind of made at the after generations. Next Gen's finished, had it? Yes, yeah, so yeah, they, they finished the seventh series whilst they were filming this. Right, and this came out right. in the summer where the seventh series ended. So Good it was a couple knowledge. of months after the end of the, the, the thing. I only watched right. it a couple of weeks ago and I watched oh, the extras fantastic. as well. Oh, fantastic. Oh, brilliant. I saw it a long time ago. I thought I it, was, it. it was good. It was a good first film for the new cast. And, and you know, Patrick Stewart, you know, easily showing what he could do and, and being the centre of, of the movie carrying the movie great support I thought from Brent Spiner in it as <gasps> well that's when he gets the emotion chip isn't yeah. it and he's playing yeah. something really dear, which must have been great for him to be able to get your teeth into that yeah and the others were good they weren't given much to do a lot of mm. the others um, the, the bit well it's an intro isn't it into yeah. cinematic intro into that yeah so, so some of the other next generation cast who had been well known from people who watch TV series didn't have a whole lot to do in this but it was good that they were there nonetheless it was a solid movie um I did think Shatner was a bit of a weak link in it. And and I do think it was right that they killed him off. It's what we call, isn't it? And they do it more with like legacy sequels now, like the new Ghostbusters. It's a torch passing yeah, movie, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And there was one By scene definition. in particular which really encapsulated that, where the two men meet on horseback and they're... Yeah. And, they're, they're, they're nice. and, you know, is it Patrick Stewart's trying to convince um, William Shatner to come along on the mission and then he kind of says, well, who am I to argue with the captain of the Enterprise? And there's a little moment and, and it was all that, yeah. And do you know what? I have to say, like you said it was it sparked off the next generation of films yeah no pun intended obviously um and but the next gen the next gen all those films have been brilliant they, and that was a darker more yeah you know, they went into things like nemesis which was like really gory and really scary and I first contact first contact i think they were one of the best dark ones. films they were really i remember thinking this is taken up a notch on the adult level they, yeah. they were grown-up films well they got the, so they in the in the next one in first contact they used um the borg which was an enemy That's from the tv thing. series but they reimagined the borg somewhat right. and they got in hr geiger who was the concept artist who did alien and they got him to redo design and make them spookier make them creepier make them more hor- horrifying and you didn't and the director of that one was Jonathan Frakes who played Riker in, in, in the TV series and you didn't see the Borg until a good way into the movie the Jaws syndrome and it was a bit and so and, and so if you were a fan of it you think yeah well, I've seen them before I know what they look like but but there's something about it that was more menacing because you, you didn't see them or you just saw a shadow or you and it wasn't until a good way into the movie when you actually saw them and they did look like the TV series and they didn't then that, that's the one with Alice Craig as the bad yeah. isn't it? she's brilliant yeah that? and I remember I remember honestly going to see that film and there's a scene where they take the people and you see them actually ripping them apart and putting the board and I remember thinking this is really like horrific body horror and I was so sort of shocked but also impressed that Star Trek had gone that dark I was like this yeah. is really dark there's a, there's a very good uh, shot of them um, zooming was it that the, the, the camera zooms is it into Patrick Stewart's eye or out of his eye mm. and, and, and it's a, this shot then all the way out of a spaceship from his eyeball right out of, and then you see them drilling into his eye and, and, and then it cuts away so you don't actually see anything but it's the impression of it I feel like they could have just so coasted on the love for that show and just done a 
an extended episode and they yeah. really are, even as a fan who's, who had a passing knowledge of it just so impressed with all those films yeah. but yeah in that movie as well uh, James Cromwell was great in it he, yes. he was really good anyway that's not the film we're talking about Generations <laughs> is the film we're talking about um, we digress but that's on uh, film 4 th- uh, 6.30pm on Thursday the 4th of November that concludes the film guide with Tim Stafford for now but he will be back Tim mm. if I had a, if I could if I was I'm not going to let you out of this room until you answer mm. this question for me. I want to know what movie would be your movie of the week if we could only watch one of those. I'm prepared. Go on. Which Beetlejuice. one? Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. There Do you them. go. It was simple. All right. You're back in a fortnight. <gasps> Am I? No, maybe three weeks. Hang better on. Get, I don't yeah. know. I no, better you're get back, preparing. You're back in three weeks. I you're, do what I'm told, Danny. I'll believe that when I see it. Mm, uh, but true. next week on the film guide, it's Howard Linsky. Um, so uh, do do check him out. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, you can Pleasure. see the choice of films that Tim has chosen to be on free f- to air TV for the week. Uh, it's in the description of this episode right now. Look in our description. You'll see it there. Tim is trying to do a robot to put me off. I'm not going to let him do it. Uh, and uh, yeah, check out that description. You can also see the list of movies that Tim has chosen by going to to our website stalwartspodcast.com where you can also find previous episodes and you can find all the other shows we're also all over the social medias we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on the instagram and it's at st albans podcast see you soon <laughs>